The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. So we've been making comments for five years now. It's over 100 episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a CanadaLand supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to CanadaLand.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. Canadaland Commons is brought to you by our exclusive sponsor, Wealth Simple. If you are a listener of this podcast, you can get your first $10,000 managed for free for two years just by visiting wealthsimple.com slash commons. Go check it out. Take a look. Even if you have 20 bucks to put away, it's a start. I'm Hadia Rodrigue. I'm Ryan McMahon. I'm Ashley Chinati. From Canada Land, this is Commons. So today we're going to talk about changes to crossing the American border. Will you get naked in front of the Canadian officer, the American officer, or both? Shenanigans in the conservative leadership race. A.K.A. fraud. And... How Trump's America is going to poison the Great Lakes. Your drinking water will suck. Our money would have been on Phoebe to take on both Chandler Bang and Justin Trudeau in a schoolyard brawl. From Canada Land, this is Commons. Bill C-23, which was introduced by Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale, is likely to pass in the current sitting of Parliament, and there's a lot of concern around this bill. A lot of Canadians, very vocal, about the way this will erode our rights as citizens of Canada and our rights as a sovereign nation. Essentially, what this bill states is that a Canadian going to the U.S. through a pre-clearance area can be questioned and held and interrogated by the U.S. Customs and Immigration in this predetermined preclearance area. And if the Canadian citizen, while on Canadian soil, doesn't like the way that questioning is going, they can leave. However, U.S. Customs and Immigration, if they suspect that you are on the wrong side of something, and yes, it is that vague, they can detain you and uh, cause a really, really big problem for you. So does this strip away our sovereign rights as Canadian citizens to freely remain on our own soil while traveling? 
So I think that's the big concern that a lot of people have with this bill is that right now, if you're at a pre-clearance border crossing, which if you've ever flown through Pearson to the States in Toronto, you can pass through U.S. Customs here. And then when you land, you don't have to go through Customs. It's great. But if they start to question you and you don't like it, you can just turn around and be like, peace, I'm not coming to the States. But under this bill, those border customs agents, Americans on Canadian soil, could detain you for doing that. And they're going to expand these from sort of commuter airports where they exist now to more rail and eventually land crossings. So when you're crossing the border in like Sarnia or something, there are concerns that eventually this could even apply to driving across the border. I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely accidentally in like Niagara turned like close to the border and then been like, whoops, nope, and turned around. And like, would that be affected? Could you be stopped for just taking the wrong exit because you're singing along too much to the radio? I don't know. I come at this from a perspective of being a black Canadian with a Muslim first name. And I worry that, let's say, if we don't pass this bill, they're just going to stop allowing pre-clearance in Canada and just doing it all in the States. And if they're going to come after me, I want to at least be on Canadian soil while they do it, because you're still subject to Canadian law, Canadian Human Rights Code, the Charter. So unreasonable search and seizure, for example, I'd still be Section 7. All of the Canadian Charter and all the Canadian law would still apply to me. And at least they can't, they can detain you, but I think it's a Canadian officer that has to arrest you or detain you, is my understanding, but I think be that, incorrect. That's, there's so many questions, yeah. right? But if they're gonna if they're gonna f with me, I just want it to be on Canadian soil because they're gonna they're gonna f with me somewhere. It's either gonna be on the other side of the border here, and I'd much rather be here. So that's my scared black girl comment on on that bill. The physical strip search part is is important to mention because on Canadian soil, the strip search can only be conducted by a Canadian officer with a U.S. officer present. So uh, there's double embarrassment. You get to have two people in the room. But if a Canadian officer is unavailable or unwilling, the U.S. officer can, under the bill, conduct the search. And so if you have a circumstance where you know a Canadian officer goes, no, I think we're good here, uh, the U.S. officer can go, nope, I'm doing it anyway. And I think that's that's another really, really big strike to our citizenship and our sovereignty here as a country to let some foreign officer conduct that to Canadian citizens makes very little sense. And um, it, it's a bit scary. The strip searching provision would not have worked on my father. So my dad was once black man traveling, brought into a room, which he suspected he was about to be strip searched. He just took off all his clothes while he was waiting and sat there on the chair naked, waiting for the customs officer to come back and was just like, come at me, bro. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> I literally have nothing to hide. Yeah. He was like, I got it. You, know, you want to check cavities? He was like, I'm ready. Just like bending over. My dad's a little bit of a... Uh, a little bit of a troublemaker, but the customs officer came in, started laughing, and I let my dad let my dad go. I grew up on a border town, uh, the border of Ontario, Minnesota, and crossed the border my whole life. And I remember being fearful as a child of crossing into the United States because these guys are so damn mean, and there's there's an intense pressure and fear that I feel as an indigenous person, and I'm white passing, by the way. If I dress in a Duck Dynasty t-shirt and put on a, <laughs> uh, put on a, like a beer Budweiser hat, 
I would pass through no problem. This is so. This is an internal fear. <laughs> it's one that I I always feel like I'm breaking the law. I always feel like I have a pound of weed in my back trunk, and <laughs> and I've never done anything wrong. So this is a real this is a real concern. And I think one of the one of the missing pieces or the I guess the reflection I had was, you know, we have such a different gun culture in Canada, and we have such a different policing culture. I think generally that. I don't want these cowboys on our land in Canada aggressively questioning or detaining any Canadian citizen because we we approach that process, I think, differently. I've had different experiences working in the United States with U.S. Customs than I have with Canadian Customs. And, and basically, yeah, the differences between the two borders and their guards are night and day. There's a reason why the first thing I say when I go through Customs is I'm a lawyer. <laughs> See, I, I'm like the whitest thing ever, and I get terrified going to the border. I'll be like emptying out my purses and like scrubbing them out, and being like, "What if there's a gram of weed in there?" <laughs> and like it, when I've taken like my car across, I like vacuum it because it's like I don't know what is. What are those drug sniffing dogs gonna get right? from you, right? And they're gonna be like, "We know that you have smoked marijuana in the past," and like even and it's like the craziest reaction. But I get so nervous at the border every time, and all these reports about. You know, them being more and more empowered to search our electronic devices as a reporter for me is concerning, too, because if I'm going across to work and to report, what about the fact that I have been highly critical of the Trump administration on my social media? Like, are we going to get to an age where that's going to make me subject for search and detainment? And right. like, that's when I sort of start to get really terrified and paranoid. And I have a much friendlier experience, I think, at the border. Like, I don't understand why it would restrict or they should be restricting my ability to walk away. Like, if I just, I'm still on Canadian soil and I decide I don't want to go to the U.S., I'm still in Canada. Like, you're arresting me be- in Canada because I've just told you or detaining me because I don't want to come to your country. Like, it's I, it's different. I, I can understand it being different if I was on American soil. But not being able to walk away. I think that's the thing in this bill that I don't understand. Like, why just don't let me them- in. That's cool. Just, just leave me be in Canada. And every time you do walk away or anytime you're denied entry, this goes on a record. And so every time you cross, they can see what has gone on. And so this does have, this does have for me, as, as an artist that works on both sides of the border, and, and by law, I'm allowed to through the J Treaty, I was denied entry one time because I, I, I forgot a letter from my First Nation, from my chief, saying that I had the proper blood quantum to be able to travel across. I was denied one time. They shouldn't have denied me, but they did. And now every time I go across, I'm asked about why I was denied entry into the United States. And this was nine years ago. So I worry about the way this will impact families. I worry about the way this will impact working professionals. And it's it's one of those things. It's like you have to ask yourself: Is it worth it? Is it is it worth it? You, it the Girl Scouts aren't going into the U.S. on trips anymore. They don't feel like it's safe, and and they don't feel like they they want to take the chance with their with their children to go across. They're not sure what's going on. I, this is going to start happening more and more, where people are going to eventually decide: You know what? It's not even worth it. Ryan, can you tell me more about blood quantum? 
Like, what, what is that? that? <laughs> what is that? And what does it oh mean? Oh my God, it's ridiculous. So the Jay Treaty was stuck between, struck between Canada and the US to basically allow native Canadians, native people living in Canada, to work freely in the US. So many of us lived in the US during the many different uh, treaties that were signed. And the Jay Treaty was something that was struck to allow me to, as a status Indian in Canada, to, to work over there. In order to qualify for that, though, you need a status card. So non-status Indians don't qualify. And a letter basically stating that you're over 50% of blood quantum. And I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. Uh, on my my uh, blood quantum letter, I am 73.1%. Yes. It sounds like, the be- sounds like the best mark I ever had on a math test. <laughs> So it's not like being black, where if you have like 1%, you're black. Because <laughs> that's how it works for us. Yeah, well, that's how it should work. And just need a, You just need a drop. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're officially part of the black nation. Yeah. I think I probably have a drop. Day of mudslinging today in the conservative leadership race after presumptive frontrunner Kevin O'Leary accused one of his rivals of dirty politics. In a statement, O'Leary claims there are backroom organizers who are committing widespread vote rigging and potentially breaking our electoral and financing laws. We have breaking news on the Canadian political scene. The Conservative Party confirms Kevin O'Leary was right. The candidate made some damning allegations of vote rigging in the leadership race, and the party size on a leader in just two months. Bernier's retort to Kevin O'Leary came in the form of an affidavit signed by six Sikh Canadian men who say they were approached by an O'Leary organizer who invited them to join the party. They say in their affidavit, which they provided to the Globe and Mail, that the organizer said he would pay the membership fees, which is a breach of party rules. All right. So the the conservative leadership race, which has been fodder for lots of mockery on this show, has gotten even more interesting. It all started Thursday night. Kevin O'Leary came out and accused somebody in the party of selling false memberships. It came out the next morning that it might have been Maxime Bernier and the conservative party was actually investigating. And this was only after everybody had sort of made fun of O'Leary and said this was sort of Trump like false accusations. But maybe he was actually right. Then we find out that O'Leary's people might have actually been doing this in the greater Toronto area, specifically in some of the more ethnic suburbs that could be really crucial to the end of the race. Over the weekend, the party has announced that it's found at least 1,400 false memberships. We'll be getting rid of those. And now Lisa Raitt is calling for anyone who engaged in this to be essentially kicked out of the race entirely. So how does this actually even work? How many how many memberships are we talking about? What kind of numbers are we talking about? Does, is 1,400 material? Is this a real big deal? So it could be very material because the way the race is structured could mean that a very small number of people actually end up making the choice of who's the next leader. So they've structured this race in a crazy complicated way. There are 338 electoral districts in Canada. Each of those is worth 100 points. But within those ridings, everybody's voting for a ranked ballot. So each riding's worth 100 points every time they count the ballot. And to win, you have to get 16,901 or more points. But if no one gets that the first time they count, they knock that off and then they go to everybody's second choice on their ballot as you know, how ranked ballots work. But because the way that every riding is worth 100 points in some key races, you know, just a handful of people could make or break the total balance of points. So it's kind of like you've got to get half the ridings 
should get it. Yeah. So for each riding, you get a percentage of the 100. Oh, And so it just becomes more and more complicated as you sort of go down the ballot. And this is why everyone's saying, you know, none of the polling matters and consensus candidates are the ones that might come out. Because even if you do really well on a first ballot, you might be nobody's second choice. Right. The polling is just showing people's first choice, not actually who their second and third choice. And you might not have any of the firsts, but you might have all the seconds. Exactly. Or all the thirds or all the fourths. And then that's when it gets really interesting because some of these more controversial people like Kelly Leach, like Kevin O'Leary, tend to poll really poorly as people's second and third choice. So one thing that's worth noting about all of this is that it is ridiculously complicated, but it is in a way better than when every riding association elected delegates sent them to you know a convention hall somewhere to essentially backroom deal for who was going to be the leader. There's probably a lot of growing pains going on right now because of the way the system is set up. But in the long term, this could be more transparent. So this this is a so far a pretty technical conversation. Can we go back to uh, where there's smoke, there's fire? Let me just say, if if I eat a piece of pie, and that piece of pie is my dad's piece of pie, and there's one piece of pie left, and but I eat it and I get caught, I can very easily kind of go, hey, yeah, who in this house ate dad's? last piece of pie because it was not me like I want all the alarm bells I want to set the alarm bells so as to deflect so is there smoke where there's fire here as the blueberry drips down your face yeah. you know <laughs> that wasn't me <laughs> that's not apple pie on my t-shirt <laughs> So what? So what's so amazing here is basically Kevin O'Leary came out on Thursday night and was like, somebody ate the pie. <laughs> and now he might have eaten the pie. Yeah. So it, it find the um, pie like stashed in his book bag. Or like or maybe like, he didn't know he was eating the pie. Like yeah. maybe he was asleep and someone was like slipping the pie into his mouth yeah. and one of his organizers was doing this and he didn't realize I'm it. I'm sure he, he wants the pie. So let me like force feed him the pie. Yeah. Oh, good. We want you want Kevin O'Leary to be leading the Conservative Party. Of no, no, I'm saying we like- need more pie analogies on this show. <laughs> Our exclusive sponsor, the company that makes this all possible, is Wealth Simple, a simple and easy way to invest in your future. So, the 36 year old Hadia, yes, I just told you all my age could go back in time in a DeLorean and talk to 23-year-old Hadia fresh out of university in her first job. My first piece of advice would be skip the apple ciders. You don't need them. And I'd also tell me to skip the big banks with their overselling and their overcomplication of managing your future. And I'd say go to something like Wealth Simple. They take the complication out of planning for your future. They use smart technology to help you set up a custom investing plan. So if you want to invest in some extremely ethical companies or maybe some I want to invest in all dirty oil. <laughs> yeah, you can do so at your heart's content. And they also help you with the level of risk you're comfortable with. So, you know, me, I'm a little bit of a, I like to roll the dice and see what happens. So my level of risk tolerance may be a little bit higher than your average bear. And right now, if you are a Canaland Commons listener, you can get your first $10,000 managed for free for two years at wealthsimple.com slash commons. The Wealthsimple platform is very easy to look at. The visuals are great, very easy to understand. If you actually go take a look at the website, I highly encourage you all to do so. Again, you can find them at wealthsimple.com slash commons.
So we're introducing a new segment to the podcast uh, this week because when we start to plan each and every week for the show, we can't hit on everything we want to, but there leaves a whole bunch of meat on the bone. And uh, so this is a new segment we're going to call, Is This a Thing? Senator Don Meredith refuses to stand down in wake of an ethics report into his sexual relationship with a minor. Is this a thing, Ashley Hadia? I think it's a thing. I think he needs to step down. And I know he's like pulling the like, people wouldn't be making such a big deal of this if I was white. I'm like, no, I'd be making a big deal about it if you were white. (laughs) It's a thing. And the whole thing about the Senate is they're supposed to be the honorable chamber and senators conduct themselves honorably and are accountable to each other. It's why it's so hard to remove them. He did not conduct himself honorably. He needs to go. So we've got Senator Lynn Bayek facing criticisms over attempts to downplay residential schools. Is this a thing? (laughs) <laughs> oh man it's oh a thing. man is it a thing <laughs> I, now i want to go first on this because lynn bayak is from northwestern ontario i went to high school with her two sons lynn oh. bayak comes from one of the most affluent families in fort francis she definitely knows the impacts of residential school and lynn bayak has had this conversation in boardrooms in meetings in restaurants at family dinner tables lynn bayak step off i'd say give her a history book but she'd probably just give it the same revisionist reading and have more (laughs) fuel for her mass misinformation yeah so this one might not even be a story it might be fiction but apparently someone who's associated with or works for as part of a campus group of the Wild Rose Party in Alberta sent out some email calling feminism a cancer. So is this a thing? This person might not even be a real person. I don't know if it can be a thing if they don't exist. But then if someone made up a fake person to get this out, it might be a thing. Yeah. And, you know, when you have somebody from a political party calling feminism a cancer and just judging on the first topic of is this a thing, Don Meredith, let's stop calling down feminism and find the places where feminism intersects with our daily lives and actually makes this world a better place for all of us. I guess from a news perspective, it would be irresponsible to report this if it is a prank and it's not a real person. Like if someone's trying to who's like an NDP supporter is trying to do something negative to the Wild Rose, then it's not a thing and we shouldn't report it because we're spreading fiction. All right. So it's not a thing yet. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So big news out of Alberta. Jason Kenney has won the Alberta PC leadership. Feels like a thing, but I'm not sure. Is, Is Jason Kenney a thing? I don't know if I care enough about it for it to be a thing. <laughs> I mean, like Jason Kenny is a temporal being with a with a physical existence. So by definition, he is a thing. Yes. But he might not be a thing that exists after this whole if there's a Wild Rose merger, someone else might rise up out of the ashes. Yeah, maybe if he completes his quest, he'll just like Turn into like, <laughs> <laughs> to a phoenix and fly away. Right into the heart of the NDP and, and Alberta will just be, you know, spun back to the time when the conservatives ran everything. So it's it's definitely a thing because the Alberta PCs voted for him. So congratulations, Jason Kenney. You are officially a thing. Apparently, Nigel Wright is still 
on the ethics commissioner's radar over the whole Duffy check affair and stuff he did in the PMO. So is Nigel Wright still a thing? This isn't a thing because the ethics commissioner can do basically jack shit. She can be like, bad. I think he can be fined. He has like so much fine. money. Does that Woo. even? Yeah. Not a thing. It's, 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 it is a thing because I'd like to borrow 90 grand, Nigel. <laughs> it's definitely a thing. So these were all definitely things. And if you have a thing that you think is a thing and we should talk about it being a thing on this show, email it to us at commons at canadalandshow.com. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. So as most of you know, Donald Trump released a budget. And as part of that budget, he plans to cut the Environmental Protection Agency's budget by 30% and slash a whole ton of programs that would support climate change action, environmental protection. One of the programs that would be on the chopping block is the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, or the Great Lakes Cleanup, which would be looking at a 97% reduction in funding. So from $300 million to $10 million. Over Barack Obama's tenure, received about $2.2 billion and would now be looking at $10 million per year. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with our lovely Great Lakes, but they are the largest uh, surface freshwater system in the world. And there's a lot of bipartisan support across the eight states that border it to support state and local projects for the five lakes, focusing on invasive species, cleaning up the Great Lakes, reducing nutrient runoff, and restoring habitat to protect native species. And so cutting this is a big deal and have a really big impact on Canada because we're on the other side of the Great Lakes. We get a lot of our drinking water from the Great Lakes, and so this is going to impact... 10 million people directly. Yes, it's going to impact our ability to get clean drinking water. And then tributaries, like it's... If you live in southern Ontario, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Your water's going to taste like shit. <laughs> Literally taste like shit. Yeah. Also, if you live in northern Ontario, you're screwed as well. There are many communities that, uh, that border the Great Lakes. You can go as far as northwest as uh, Thunder Bay, of course, with uh, Lake Superior. And uh, yeah, down to southern Ontario. And this, as far as I can see, this this is a bigger disaster than Bill C-45. Remember that in 2012? It stripped the protections away from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lakes and rivers. It was Harper's plan to sort of open up people's backyards to industry. And by all measures, I think people are saying this is way worse for water systems in Canada. And it kind of erases all of the good work that is happening currently in the province of Ontario and a lot of uh, joint work that is happening as part of uh, an effort to clean up uh, the Great Lakes. For one example, I'll give this process that is is uh, 
tripartite, Canada, Ontario, and uh, the United States, they're starting to work on this uh, partnership in phosphorus control, which I'll just use Lake Erie as an example because we were talking about southern Ontario. They called it just recently a dead lake, you know, just a couple of years ago. And by 2025, they set targets to clean up that lake. And there's been a lot of money that has gone into this already. This would essentially destroy... Uh, the effort that has been put forward in Lake Erie uh, to date. And I just can't imagine a world where we go, you know what, we're cool with (laughs) destroying the Great Lakes. It is unfathomable. Well, I guess it's the same world where Scott Pruitt, the new head of the Environmental Protection Agency, says climate change isn't caused by humans. So I guess that's the reality (laughs) we're in. But what are we doing as a country to actually try and address this, at least go piece by piece to what affects us most, right? Well, I think the Environment Minister, Catherine McKenna, is meeting with Scott Pruitt. But normally, when we put climate change deniers and climate change, you know, normal people who believe uh, against each other, there's this one-to-one ratio that we have, when really should be like 99 people yelling at the one person to like get on board. (laughs) (laughs) And so I question the ability to have a productive conversation with someone who actually just thinks this is all made up nonsense and that we don't need to protect our environment. But uh, So the, the interesting thing on this one where McKenna might be able to get his attention is that there is an effect on agriculture and industry and the Great Lakes states voted for Trump. If Great Lakes states had gone... For Hillary, she would have been president. So there might be a way because a lot of this toxic remediation, people being able to swim, like you guys both remember when we couldn't swim in Lake Erie, when we couldn't swim in Lake Ontario. That's the kind of stuff that people in Trump land will notice. And I think that maybe if she goes targeted on these issues, doesn't engage them in the like carbon pricing debate, but goes specifically like the Great Lakes are a priority that we both share, yeah. here's what we can do, then ma- then maybe we can get some, some sensible reaction on that. I mean, she did say, like, they had their meeting already, and she said, I was pretty clear on how important continued investment by Canada and the U.S. is to the health of the Great Lakes, and I think he gets it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I think go, he Catherine does. What if he said, what if they say no? Like, you know, is Trudeau going to get the gloves up and, <laughs> and fight Trump and, and Pruitt on this? Like, is this the thing they'll, you know, throw? Is this it? I mean, is this the so fight? Things, is this like, the first what are they going to fight over? Yeah. Well, this is, this is interesting. I mean, there, there are, there are a, lot, a lot of conversations happening right now in indigenous communities around the type of organizing and campaigning they need to do to protect the Great Lakes. For a lot of indigenous people, this is a primary food source. It should be pointed out that there are 60, 70, and 80-year-old pipelines running through the Great Lakes that desperately need to be paid attention to. They're well past their uh, their due date in terms of being repaired and, and uh, replaced. And by taking a giant step away from action on the Great Lakes, uh, we're, we're further putting, putting those lakes in danger by ignoring that infrastructure that runs through it. So some of the organizing that's happening is really, really dynamic and really interesting. And there's a Indigenous and non-Indigenous coalition that are paddling across the Great Lakes starting in May. 
And I don't know about you, but <laughs> I couldn't paddle across the Great Lakes, even if I had time. It's a massive I undertaking. I probably barely paddle across a river, to be honest. <laughs> I, I'd, I, I, yeah, I'd have trouble paddling across the Don Valley. Um, <laughs> but they are doing this to draw attention to uh, the Great Lakes and trying to say water is not just an indigenous issue. It's a, it's a world issue. And look, if we were to screw up the Great Lakes more than we already have, this would put a lot of people's primary food sources and drinking water at risk. And this is, this is a nightmare waiting to happen. And this is a food basket, right? And there's one thing that people tend to get all at farmers about pesticides and waterways and stuff like that. But in the Great Lakes area, we've actually seen farmers come together through these initiatives to change up what they're using, you know, what chemicals, but also to, you know, shift where their water runoff is going because they need the Great Lakes to be as clean as as we do. So maybe, you know, there is a lot of cross-border between premiers and governors. There's yeah. like a Great Lakes working group of people where you have somebody like Premier Wynn and Scott Walker meeting together. <laughs> but the thing that they have in common is protecting things like the Great Lakes. So maybe when you have those kinds of people like Wynn, who's a close Trudeau ally, Scott Walker, who's the kind of Republican that Trump likes, working together on something like this, Again, this is just me having hope that our system can work. And you guys are both looking at me so skeptically. skeptically. <laughs> but hey, you've got actually Republicans and Democrats on the same side of this issue, which never happens. So maybe I'm going to go with a maybe. <laughs> a big part of this conversation that I think w we should probably touch on in a future show is also the Great Lakes nuclear dump that is being planned near Lake Lake Huron. And when we start to do away with the systems that are already in place to protect these waterways, and we're talking about a Great Lakes nuclear dump next to Lake Huron, I mean, I, I hope, I believe in the human, I believe in human beings. I would hope this is the thing that mobilizes the millions of people in and around the Great Lakes that survive off of the Great Lakes to, to mobilize. But I think that it's really important that there are already major infrastructure problems and major questions around the Great Lakes. And that work is starting right now in earnest. In some cases, that the work has been going on for many years. But if we strip away uh, more powers away from those people that are already working on the Great Lakes, then we are in for a catastrophe. That's our show for this week. I'm Hadia Rodrique. You can follow me on Twitter at D Rodrique. That's R-O-D-E-R-I-Q-U-E. And I'm Ryan McMahon. Follow me at RM Comedy. And I'm Ashley Chinati. You can follow me at Ashley Chinati. That's Ashley with an L-E-Y. And my last name is C-S-A-N-A-D-Y. Follow Canaland Commons on Twitter at Canaland Commons. Check out our website at canalandshow.com slash commons. And you can email us at commons at canadalandshow.com. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash canadaland. The producer of Commons is Russell Gregg, and our music is produced by Nathan Burley. Thanks again to Commons' exclusive sponsor, Wealthsimple. Get your first $10,000 managed for free at wealthsimple.com slash commons. If you like what we do, please support us. This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. 
Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. So we've been making comments for five years now. It's over 100 episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a CanadaLand supporter. So, from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to CanadaLand.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts.